Hey, hey, it's us, Peyton. Well, yeah, we got 10 viewers already. Hey! You, for, you forgot oh. to say, hey! Hey, it's us, Peyton. Well, it's not role-playing public radio, though. That's the whole oh. thing. It's little narrative dissonance, which is a more You mean, I've, listened, I've been listening to you to say that when I didn't actually have to? <laughs> no, on role-playing public radio, you do. And when I'm guesting on someone else's <laughs> podcast... Be like, oh, what's your show, Ross? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Uh, but this is my, yeah, we have a whole different thing for each of my many shows. Um, yeah, Letter of Narrative Distance. I'm here with James Wallace and Greg Stolze. Um, and we are here to talk about Season 3, uh, tabletop role-playing games in general, uh, what we've been doing lately, and to answer your questions. So uh, we are both live on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, so if you have a question, just post a comment. We'll see in either one. And we'll highlight and we'll talk about it. So feel free to ask away. Um, but I think we'll start with sort of the, the general broad, uh, idea for season three, which is to expand what kind of books we, we, we review and, you know, each episode we focus on one book at a time, um, and kind of go from there. So, um, we'll, we will still do core role-playing books. I think that's the first thing we should say. Um, we, we do have a lot of ideas of which ones we'll get and we'll get it and we'll list them more or some of the ideas some of the 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 games we'll be talking about or thinking about uh uh reviewing later on but we also there's a lot of other things other than core role-playing books uh you know it turns out there there's there's whole categories of hi dimitri um there's adventures and campaigns well yeah uh well we are going to be doing we are not going to be doing campaigns because campaigns are (laughs) very big and uh do your yeah. core role-playing book is yeah. hard enough as it yeah. is reading yeah. the campaign for review that's a young man's game that's, one campaign <laughs> is a season like that's that's how it works i mean like, yeah. yeah masks of nyarlathotep I, i'm not sure i'm gonna live long enough to get through oh i feel like if we did 20 <laughs> episodes on it we could give it okay justice. all right yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm yeah. actually doing a series on a campaign right now in Roleplay Public Radio on the Patreon where we're going through a Mega Dungeon level by level, but just one level of Mega Dungeon is like an hour and a half of discussion. So, mm-hmm. um, so we are going to be doing like one shot adventures, like modules, like 20 to 40 page books, um, and then supplements too, like, uh, city books, um, you know, loot book. Uh, books about magic items or character classes or resources. There's those entire wide categories of books. So those are the three broad things we're going to be focusing on for season season three. We might do mechanics and themes um, like we did in season two, but that would probably be a stretch goal and expansion. So that's not, but those are the, those are going to be the three foundations of season three core books, adventure. Are there any mechanics we haven't covered already? Ross. Uh, let's see. We, we have a list. Remember, Greg, we did a whole, uh, Google sheet, uh, sheet where we uh, sort of talked about this human role-playing games, character arcs and role-play. I uh, refuse to remember anything, Ross. <laughs> you should know this. <laughs> uh, Wuxia, Hong Kong. And it's it's late at night here as well. I can't, you know, oh, yeah. gone anyway. Yeah. I just need to turn off my video at this point because my Wi-Fi is down. I'm hot spotting off my phone. I would rather keep my bill to a a minimum. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going audio only. I apologize. All right. Only the only the people who showed up early got the glamour shots of James Wallace. This is why you never want to be fashionably late. Yes. Uh, get there. James in his shed with his wife's <laughs> bike in the background. It, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm trapped in a labyrinth somewhere, so you have no <laughs> for, for, you know, 
Um, you know, you got, you, at least you got that. Uh, yeah. so let's see here. We already have a bunch of comments already. Uh, that would be, uh, sweet. I've been thinking about running mask control in the new year. Well, it's a great campaign. I've run it twice, uh, in the old version. I've not run the seventh edition version, but, uh, it's a great campaign and, uh, it works really well in trail of Cthulhu. So good luck on that. Uh, and that's on RBPR. Um, let's see. We have some more hellos. Hello, uh, Brian and honest Ed. Um, and uh, yeah, here's why I know some friends playing mass for like three years. You see, this is why we can't like do it in one episode. It would not, it would be a little bit, we uh, are too promiscuous. We yeah. don't, we are not, we are still sowing our wild oats game, uh, in, in the gaming phase. We're in game. <laughs> we're, we're in hoe phase when it comes to gaming. We are not ready to settle down with a nice, Pen Dragon campaign. <laughs> can someone uh, can someone on Twitch clip that for us? Uh, uh, Play and leave things. Yeah, <laughs> Play and leave Doing a bit. Uh, well, hello. Uh, glad to have you here. Um, they sleep well. Are you talking about season three? We are talking about season three. Uh, is it going to be a Kickstarter backer? It is going to be on Kickstarter, like season two. Uh, I've sort of figured out I'm going to use Backer Kit for my own personal uh, print projects and RPG projects, and I'll use my Kickstarter account for uh, Letter of Narrative Distance because it's worked so well in the past two seasons. Cool. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Um, and how many mechanics can there be? Yeah. <laughs> 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 like 12. There's like 12 left. It's fine. <laughs> I'm working oh, like on a new... I'm working on a new game where the resolution is jacks. You throw the ball and you grab the jacks off. <laughs> Miss you already, James. Uh, That's the name of the name game. The- grab yeah. the jacks off. <laughs> I was about to ask if it had a name, Greg. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's um, the book about board game mechanics, um, which I'm buying building up building blocks of tabletop game design. Um, I think lists something like 380. That's I an awful lot of board game mechanics anyway. Uh-huh. So I'm sure if we went granular enough, if we dug down into RPGs, we could find enough mechanics to keep us going for well, at least till our kids are out of college. <laughs> into Well into our twilight years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, trapped in a labyrinth is Ross's natural setting. This is true. Uh, live <laughs> footage. This is just where I live. It's cheap rent. Don't, don't knock it till you try it. Um, let's see here. Cool. When are we going to be able to sign up for the Kickstarter page or come back in the first five minutes again? Um, so we're, we kind of, we, we've been, you know, done with season two for a while, but we kind of talked over, decided that, um, doing it over the holidays, uh, wouldn't make sense. January is kind of a slow month. Uh, so probably February or March, depending on it. It's kind of, you know, we, we have enough stuff. We could, we could get it up. Without too much work, it's just a matter of like when is the best time to to get the Kickstarter up. So it's more, um, yeah. And I kind of want to finish the Night Clerk scene, which I'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, 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 sort of get that out the door, uh, which are making progress. So um, we uh, should probably talk about like what kind of books we are looking at. Um, and I know in terms of adventures, one of the ones I really and these are, again. Um, all of these are going to be on lists that backers can vote. We may may change the rewards a bit, so if you give us more money, you get more votes. Uh, so <laughs> to make it more reflective of how de- democracy operates in the United States, <laughs> yeah, basically, 
Um, so I know I want to put jailbreak for unknown armies, uh, on, on the uh, short list there. Um, I think we have an in with the writer. Uh, what, what, what do you yeah, think? Guys? That's a, a perennial favorite that has, I mean, I've never run a bad game of it and it, it impresses me to look back on it now. Cause I'm like, I didn't know what I was doing. I just stum I, I, I seem to have fallen upstairs with that one and created something that's super tightly functional mm-hmm. without fully understanding what was super tightly functional about it. Yeah. Uh, it's one I've actually, I've read multiple times, but I've not actually run um, because it needs a lot of players, right? Like six or... Uh... doesn't need No, it doesn't need six or eight players. It's got the option to go up to you know, a whole dang party, which is not something I would do now. Um, <laughs> but you can run it with, it, it just needs to have enough people in it to be unbalanced. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so uh, James, what was one of the adventures you, you think you, that you have your eye on? You'd really like to. I have the yellow clearance, black block, black box blues for paranoia. It's a stone <laughs> classic of humor in games. It's absolutely. It's just, it's delightful. It was delightful when it came out in the mid eighties. It's still delightful today. It's interesting that some of the elements of the humor have kind of changed in tone. Um, you know, because where you live in a very difficult, different political climate now, the, the Soviet bloc, the commies are no longer a threat. They're a joke. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so you're talking about doing this deep cut 20th century adventure, <laughs> not like a, a recent version of it or anything. Well, it's been reissued. For, I mean, we can decide. We can look at all of them. Yeah, it's been reissued, I think, for every edition. It certainly was. It was reissued for the last edition, the one that I did with Grant Allett and, and Paul Dean. Um and yeah, it's it's just it's fun, but I think looking at why it's fun and why it works and, and why it's remembered so fondly, uh, why it became a classic would be really interesting. There aren't that many genuinely funny, consistently funny role playing games adventures, and I think that one is absolutely on the top of the pile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, Paranoia is one of my not entirely blind spots, but it's not a game I've I've spent as much time as I feel like I should. Like it, it is a great game. Um, and I, I, what I have read of, I've always enjoyed it. It's just one of those like, oh yeah, I should play more of it. And then I never do. <laughs> My experiences with paranoia have been at exclusively at conventions with randos. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the best mm-hmm. way to play it. Cause it gets extremely mean and competitive, like from jump. I'm like, mm-hmm. come on yeah. people engage with the fiction, pretend that you don't know we that this is is competitive yet. So, but no, it it was it got nasty quick, and I'm like, I hear you. I don't I don't think it's a good convention game at all. Mm. Um, I think it it needs to be players you know because you know that way there's a little bit of investment in as you say not immediately opening up on them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's fair. Uh, I do know for episode zero, we are going to do like we did in previous seasons, an episode to kind of preview uh, the upcoming season, and we're going to talk about Hole in the Sky, uh, oh, yeah. which is mm-hmm. the Dungeon Crawl Classics uh, uh, module I ran as the season finale for season two. <laughs> um, and 
I think that'll be a lot of fun um, for for Greg and James to read what uh, they were what, what it was supposed to be uh, versus the version that they. Uh, there's a bit of Rashomon in every RPG published RPG adventure, uh, you know, like what it's supposed to what it says in the book versus what actually happens at the table. Um, so if you assume a perfectly spherical player who is playing in good faith and isolates his player knowledge from his character knowledge, the game runs smooth as butter. Yeah, and as one of our listeners on the Discord said, if you would just go under the door, as I have mentioned, <laughs> it would everything would work out fine. Uh, but yeah, so um, but yeah, we we uh, we were looking at a we'll we'll come up with a list of about ten or twenty uh, books in each category, and then let people vote, and then the number of episodes will be based on you know what funding level we'll get, and we'll have stretch goals for additional episodes, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, we also are talking about supplements and supplements are a little more vague in a, you know, cause there's so many types, right? Uh, we, we, in fact, that in looking at our, our list of, uh, tentative, uh, uh, titles, that's the smallest list we have right now. Um, so, uh, but you know, we do have, uh, let's see, um, Chicago by night, uh, from the world of darkness, um, I put down countdown for Delta Green, uh, the original mm. from the original version. Um, a big lad, yeah, uh, a very yeah, a big lad, um, and then the Book of Loot for Thirteenth Age or Double Tap for Knights Black Agents, and then there's just uh, so many Gerbs books. Um, there are <laughs> so many. Uh, I know I would like to talk about Countdown because that was a very um, influential book to me because the description of the Haster mythos and um, the how to run that style of horror, which was later called surreal horror in Impossible Landscapes, was very like, oh, horror can be more than just blowing up monsters and having your skin ripped off by vampires, which is kind of what horror and role-playing games was to me before that. And it's like, oh, it could be more subtle and insidious and not just like body horror and splatterpunk kind of stuff. And uh, so I really loved it for that. Like Night Floors, I think, is a masterpiece of a scenario um, because you can terrify players with like a goldfish. And, um, you know, <laughs> well, the, the encounter is, is um, a you find a, a little golden sculpture of a goldfish and, you know, you put it in a little evidence bag and, and then later on you feel something moving in your pocket and it's a live goldfish and people just freak out at that. And I, I really like that encounter. Uh, very subtle and very uh, evil. Yeah. Straight out of chambers. So, mm-hmm. um, so uh, James, what are what are some of the uh, what kind of supplements are you? Or if, if you can't think of specific titles, but like, what are some supplement types you or or even specific titles you would be interested in reviewing? I think I'm I particularly like city books or territory books that really capture the atmosphere of a place that absolutely yeah. you have the flavor of it you know the, what the people are like you know what the community is like and it just it lives and breathes from the information in the book and it doesn't have to be encyclopedic and and cohesive and the two I'm thinking of particular in particular are city book 1 which was published by Flying Buffalo under its I think it's Blade imprint um way back in the day in the 80s and we tried to emulate some of the feel of that when we did marienburg for warhammer fantasy roleplay in the late Man. 90s um and 
I just, I love that. I love that you read the turret and you just go, oh, this is a place I want to visit. I want to live within this space for a while. And you can feel that, you know, it's not necessarily packed with adventure seeds, but you can see exactly how narratives would fall and evolve because everything is interlinked. Um, I pick up on Star and make a book about PTs for Dragon when I was publishing as well. Yep. Uh, James, and you are breaking up pretty hard. I hate to interrupt, but yeah. you sound like that robot off the oh. 80s version of Buck Rogers. <laughs> bitty, bitty. All right. So uh, let's talk. Yeah. Uh, Greg, what? Same question. Um, uh, man, I don't know. Um, there's a part of me that would like to dig like into old unspeakable oath uh, issues. And it's like, mm. okay. You Let's know, have Gabby, a look yeah, at yeah. in media res. Let's look at early times. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, James's idea of settings is good. Um, the idea of, I mean, I've got a ton of stuff from assorted iterations of the world of darkness, and it might be interesting to just pick one kind of at random and be like, mm. okay, Let's see what they were doing at this point with this line, with this spinoff. Uh, I mean, the 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 history of the world of darkness has become very fractal, right? Oh, yeah. You've got the first edition and now the reissues of the first edition and every line in the first edition branched out into sublines, each of which had their own branching Uh, supplements so you can just really it's not exactly like a fractal where you can keep zooming in and zooming in and zooming in and not lose detail but you can keep zooming in yeah uh Uh, so that would be cool um i think i think it's worth saying one of the things we're trying to do is uh, focus on supplements or indeed rule books that are still available so that you can mm-hmm. get hold of them and see what we're talking about. Um, yeah. I mean, I would love to do an episode on the original Ghostbusters role-playing game, which I still mm-hmm. regard possibly the finest game ever published. It is completely unavailable. There is, It would be an entirely <laughs> hypothetical discussion for 98% of you mm-hmm. who have never mm-hmm. even seen this thing. Um, and that just and I'm in that 98%, man. Yeah, I was very lucky to find a copy of Continuum so we could do an episode on it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. Um, No, that's true. Um, Yeah, we're going to focus on things that are available. They're either still on print or you can at least get the PDF, which fortunately for art role-playing games, it seems to be, uh, they're far more, for niche books, far more old RPGs available in PDFs than like books in other categories. But there's still a ton of stuff that's unavailable because of licensing issues and publishers going out of business and that kind well, of I mean, yeah. and and this would be the argument for, oh, look at something that was, uh, I, I, this is going to shock some of you, but there are products out there that are not licensed. They're just wild, roaming free, produced <laughs> by lone people in Garrett's who are obsessed and are like, I want to make a game about X and you can't stop me, dad. And we can look at some of those. Um, and, and we've got the question about small unknown games you'd have love to have an episode about. Yes. I always come at, back to Penny for my thoughts, which 
Maybe it was just that I was in a very vulnerable or susceptible frame of mind when I played it at Gen Con with its creator, but it has always seemed a really good, slick, improv, scenery-chewing game for mm-hmm. me. Uh, which, and and you know, it has the sort of Delta Green version of it, or the Call of Cthulhu version of it, or the X-Files version of it, all just built right in. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd love to talk about that for, uh, you know, some minutes. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know how many of the people listening to this call have heard of Penny for my thoughts. So uh is it still available? Uh, I don't know. I, don't yeah. check. I can't I can't think why you would take that PDF down. Uh yeah, sometimes yeah, well, you know, hopefully they, they uh keep it up there, but you never know. Um You do not ever know. You do not ever yeah. Um there there are, for me, I know there's a lot of games. Like there's a ton of interesting games being made uh right now that are are worth talking about, like just recently. Uh, you know, this year I've uh and last year I played Fist, which is a really fun game. Uh it's coming out a new edition. I, I wouldn't call it unknown though at this point. Um I because you've been pushing it so I have been pushing it. it it's got I, the Ross Payton heat on it. Yeah, it, I just think it's neat. Uh, <laughs> uh, in terms of yeah, looking at the games that I I, I have played, uh, I would like to talk about more. Um, a, a few come by. One is called Itris Buy, uh, which is a game of surrealism, um, mm-hmm. and it's very fun. It's diceless, and it's it's just. Uh, I ran it you sort of modified instead of using the default setting. I set it in the, the, the setting of Night Vale, which is a surreal oh comedy <laughs> horror podcast. Uh, and it fit very, very well. Um, and uh, you just, you know, the character who, t- you know, the player who takes the glow cloud character class is going to be OP, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and probably I think. Um, I would like to do an episode on, uh, you know, I'd like to do one on just like one page games and like very mm. experimental games. Like mm-hmm. I remember I played a game, uh, called when you're here, your family, which is a, a storytelling game. You have to play at an olive garden <laughs> and like the turns are based on when the waiter brings you various like breadsticks and things like that. Um, so like they're the phases of the game are based on when you get the portions of the meal. Um, so I like I'm really sorry to say I would yeah. not be able to play test. Them. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, just don't, they don't exist. Over here. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You'd have to visit America. Um, but I really, maybe just a, someday you'll cover. make it to a real country. James. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, games that really push the form. Like I remember, I can't remember the name of it, but I remember finding a one page game on itch or something that was like, you're a satellite describe your journey through eternity and then burn this sheet where you wrote all that down at the end as your satellite falls apart, you know, like you're, <laughs> and, uh, so games like that, that would be mine. Um, I, I think journaling and epistolatory games, there's a, probably mm-hmm. an episode we could do on that very, that's such a fascinating bringing off thing. of our work already on, um, um, thousand year old vampire and, yeah. uh, 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 Oh, what's, What's the one you published it, James? It was Polish. Profundus. 
De Profundis. Yeah. Did we do a whole, we did a whole episode on that, right? No, we did not. No, we just keep talking about it because it's so cool. Well, there we go. Yeah. That could be another episode. Yeah. Uh, We will keep the reward that you, uh, to curate an episode if you want to make us review. So, uh, I mean, the curated ones. Okay. Have all been great. Like, yeah. Let me, yeah. Let me get meta here for a second. So, all right. Um, in gaming, a lot of the best gaming moments emerge when the dice just freak out on you, right? It's like, mm-hmm. oh, yes, I'm the dice, and I've decided that every time the omnipotent overlord tries to give an order to this underling, he's going to muff the roll, and that underling is going to misunderstand. And, you know, this is the sort of thing that can completely organically emerge. The GM would not have had this idea on their own but once the patterns established they're like oh this is hilarious you know the the overlord clearly uh clearly trusts this one incompetent guy way past his abilities and so this is sort of what the curated episodes are like for us it's like hey look at this game that otherwise you never would have picked out mm mm-hmm. mhm because uh, you know, I'd never even heard of uh, what was what was the oh, Schlock Mercenary. Oh yeah, I'd n- never heard of that. Never heard of Water Margin, but definitely not. Yeah, Water. Margin. When you take us out of our uh, out of the comfort zones, defined by just the narrowness of the blinkers, we're not even aware that we have on mm. because we are we are limited exclusively to our own experiences. Once you take us into something we haven't experienced, you're going to get an interesting result. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, but for those of you uh, uh, in the audience right now, um, special uh, insider tip, make Greg review D&D books. That'll be the best experience. I feel, I, let me, can I be real with you for a second? Let me speak from the heart. I feel like we should be the one podcast that doesn't do, the one gaming podcast that doesn't do D&D. You can still find other types of podcasts that Mm -hmm. don't do D&D sometimes. I don't think podcast, I I don't think uh, Podcastle has done a D&D episode yet, but. Yeah, hmm. I just I'm like I recognize that it is a dominant market force and hue and and you know has more cultural juice than any other role playing game ever has. But I believe our small as it is, our industry is large enough to have at least one podcast that doesn't cater to Hasbro. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I, I, the, the thing that interested me about D and D for me are certain modules that were like, um, the first of a certain type or like sort of established the genre conventions, you know, like, you know, I know James, you love Team of Horrors. Um, it's, I have, I am fascinated by Team of Horrors. I'm not sure I love it. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not use the L word. Tomb of Horrors. <laughs> James and Tomb of Horrors are just good friends. Okay. All yeah. Right. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's the, with occasion, with benefits, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> the benefit it being oh, that God, when you're tired of someone else's character, you just feed it in there. Yeah. <laughs> 
that it is the dungeon where there is the, the, the dark hole, the inviting hole, about halfway down the first corridor, and you are, the GM will, or the DM will try and entice you to stick something in there. And it's basically, there's a sphere of annihilation in there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, uh, Yes. Oh. See, to, to me, James, kind of sometimes a dark and biting hole is just a dark and biting hole. It doesn't have to have a subtext. <laughs> but that's the thing. It's the early days of the hobby. It's the early days of, of D&D. What does it say about people? The dungeon that's just designed to kill people. Which a dungeon would be? Somebody's too... You know, look at the tombs of the pharaohs. They were designed... You know, you can't get in. That's <laughs> no. the point. Yeah, you get into the to a, a real life experience. tomb of the pharaoh, and yeah, there's no riddle to solve. It's just <laughs> fall down this hole and die screaming about your broken legs. Please thanking you in advance. Yeah. Uh, um, so anyway, I'm not going to start in on tomb of horrors now, but I do think yeah. I think it's a really interesting piece okay. of design. I think its legacy is really interesting, and I do still have a plan to introduce speedrunning live D&D events, because I, I'm pretty sure you can complete Tomb of Horrors with a trained team and who have rehearsed it in under 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. All right, so here's a question. The, the question this raises in my mind, and I'll preface this by placing it into context, in that I was listening to the Midnight Pals podcast today, mm-hmm. uh, specifically one of the Clive Barker episodes, the Nightbreed one, and so I'm like, what if you did a D&D dungeon where it's just like, we are just every single part of this is going to have gay subtext and not a, not just a little sprinkling of it either, just big dashes of gay subtext. And it, uh, there's a part of me that's like, if that had come out in 1986, how would the hobby be different <laughs> would it be larger but it it's you know but a completely different demographic of suspiciously worked out twinks playing <laughs> dungeons and dragons i i just don't know yeah yeah no yeah. it's, it's a- <laughs> <laughs> i've stunned ross yeah. sorry this is this is my position alternate history yeah, yeah. <laughs> An alternate uh, history where second edition AD and D was was very was different. just like super queer, man. Yeah, right. you know, you, you know, it those... took the place that uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood uh, albums did. Uh, Frankie Goes like, to Greyhawk. Yeah, well, like you know, there's the alternate history like novels, especially like military history, like Harry Turtle Dove stuff. Like, what if aliens invaded during World War II? Like, let's just do that, but for D and D, just like make it really gay. Just like, yeah, well, here's what. <laughs> just write a whole novel about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now I want to. God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do stretch goal. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> Greg will write an entire novel with this premise. Uh, <laughs> let's not let's not write checks that my uh, my body can't cash. Um, uh, we'll get a go. No, we'll, if we get enough money, we'll hire a ghostwriter. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> like Tom Clancy, there'll just be a, you'll be a brand there. Uh, <laughs> Tom Clancy's KD and D alternate history. <laughs> Uh, there's Coming probably, this, I mean, if we get it up, like spring. there's a market demand for it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's easy. Clancy like, would thing. do so much research. Oh yeah. No, it'd be meticulous. Um, the, well, here's how, you know, the, the, the thing to understand is that this was the point at which nitrous oxide was really becoming a part of the club. scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, 
I mean, yeah, uh, uh, so moving on, uh, there's only so many chances. What, please ask a question. Yeah. Um, well, no, we haven't even talked about core books, uh, that we, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, aside from adventures and supplements, um, we are obviously going to review, we are definitely going to keep reviewing, uh, core books. Now, uh, I know for me, I want to get some of the, uh, industry staples or legends or just, you know, uh, they've been around a while that we haven't gotten to yet. Like I want to, I would love to review Shadowrun, uh, Cyberpunk Red, the newest mm. edition. Um, you know, I, oh, or Earthon. I haven't. I've Earthon's oh, one of these games I I I know about. I've, I've heard, heard about for years. Things about Earthon. Exactly. I've yeah, not maybe. read it though, so I would love recommended to... it to my son without doing more than skimming it. But um, mm-hmm. okay. So in that vein, I've never read Tribe Eight, and I feel. Mm-hmm. I feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if mine is first edition. Um, probably though. I'm thinking <laughs> back on the time. Uh, yeah, tribe. <laughs> Will there be nitrous oxide included in the letter narrative season three stretch goals? I'm sure that's what I heard. You, you're right, definitely. You got it. Yeah, um, just we're gonna <laughs> we're just gonna do a whole episode on while we're while we're huffing poppers we'll get, we'll, we'll get, we can't yeah. we can't promise that but. <laughs> oh, oh chat uh, should do wear these often uh yeah tom clancy's uh gage in the alternate rainbow <laughs> that's actually really good that's oh well uh, it's gareth of yeah course. No, really <laughs> The star of that guy. It's gonna uh, come in here and just head. colonize us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh darn. Um, but yeah, James. Any any core books you're looking forward to uh, uh, putting on the list? Hopefully, um, yeah. I th- I think there's someone actually in the comments mentioned uh, Ryotama. Mm. I think mm. uh, we could do a really. I'm not sure it's an episode itself, but a double header perhaps with Golden Sky stories. Yeah, the kind of. The, which I mentioned, I can't remember which episode I, I mentioned and described it in, but those kind of games about littler stories, about smaller stories, I think yeah, are really interesting. Plus, yeah. the, you know, the whole Japanese inference, the Japanese scene, which admittedly mm-hmm. we as Westerners are appallingly badly equipped to to talk about, but, you know, there's a thing called research, and I've done it a couple of times. Mm-hmm. It's, I, don't, I don't like it, but I'll have to do it if I have to. I'm on camera, um, So that's one. Um, Feng Shui. Just put it in. Uh, oh, Feng Shui would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, my... That's one that I was got in on early and can talk all the... In, I can be the James of that episode talking about <laughs> the inside baseball and, you know, the chainsaw incidents and everything, so... Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, there's there's actually been a number of uh, Japanese tabletop RPGs that have been in like in the last year, last year and a half, have been mm-hmm. translated in English. So like, yeah, looking into that, uh, I wanted to go. I can't think of some off the top of my head. There's one I forgot what it's called, but it's a really fascinating thing about like you draw diagrams on a page to cast spells. Like there's literally like a mm. whole separate game about it. Uh, or like it, it, it's fascinating. Like I haven't wrapped my brain. Okay. Up, but yeah. All right. Um, yeah, so yeah. That. I'm game. I'm down. Uh, uh, for me, it might be games based on horror podcasts, which seems to be um, Monty Cook's new, new direction. Uh, you know, you've got old gods of Appalachia, of Appalachia, which in a way, this was this was how this podcast got started, was me and James talking about, oh, I'd work with James on doing an old gods of Appalachia podcast and mm-hmm. or a uh, role-playing game. I'd do a really good job of it. And then they're like, well, 
we really want someone who's from the from from Appalachia to write the role playing game and, and to really and so I don't know if Monty Cook is actually from there. I, I'm not sure. I don't think he's writing. Uh, uh, I mean, he's publishing it, but it's like a team of people. All right. Uh, yeah. Um, all from the hollers, I'm sure then. So, yeah, there's that. There's a Magnus Archive one coming out. Yes, I know. back that. I'm looking forward to that. Um, of course you back that. Yeah. yeah. They're role players. They're really well, of course. Um, the, well, my, my partner, um, um, they uh, work as one of the Twitch uh, moderators for uh, Johnny Sims uh, Twitch stream. So. Uh, mm. yeah. <laughs> and also we're both fans of the podcast. So yeah. I still got to get Johnny's uh, what 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 was his book? 13 stories, I think. Mm-hmm. Is I fiction. Think so. I like ordered it and it never came in at the bookstore or some shit. So I still got to the odds of me getting a bookstore gift card at Christmas are pretty good. So <laughs> I'll put that on the list. Beneath your book, James, which I asked for for my birthday. Nobody got it for me for my birthday. Oh, oh, disappointing. It's yeah. I, I had an extraordinary but, thing this year. It can happen. I for my birthday, I asked for a copy of the board game kites, and they gave me a copy of the board game kite. And this is almost unprecedented for me. So there's something in the water, I think, <laughs> giving you the games on the game related stuff that people ask for. Yeah, I also asked for Gareth's last two books because I somehow missed both of them. And so, yeah, Gareth Hanrahan's novels are... We'll see if those are under the tree. And if not, I will have to run them down myself like Darth Vader in Star Wars. You know, I'll take them myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I found the... uh, Let me just... Cut away to show you the uh, PDF. By the way, first off, um, hey, we have a web uh, little store where you can buy our our stuff, our, our T-shirts. So Model if you want to wear great, great T-shirts here, see, look, look, look. Oh, no. <laughs> the, the void is eating my T-shirt. Um, but anyways, uh, we'll, we'll yes, I, I I designed many of these. Yes. Uh, and we can just do it. There we go. Um, but... I want to show you. So this, the Japanese RPG I was talking about, I, I remember the name of it was Floria, the Verdant Way. And um, it Aww. is, uh, is very gorgeous, but look at this. Um, the main characters gain magical powers by cultivating herbs and ley lines growing out of the body. Using the ley line, ley vein, vine canvas, they can show how much of their herbs have grown during the course of the game. We will draw diagrams on the canvas and fill in shapes formed by the vines to cast spells. So this is an absolutely wild mechanical system for an RPG, and I've never seen it before or elsewhere. Well, my 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 aging face is in the way of the Levine canvas second one. Oh yeah, yeah. So let me <laughs> do, 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 do. here. I could just do. There we go. There. Ooh. Okay. All right. Wow. And the complex spells you find you've drawn the time cube. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I've not actually run this, uh, but <laughs> I mean, this feels like something where it yeah. could absolutely explode on the launch pad. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. But like, holy shit, I admire the ambition yeah, this of this is, on a game. Design. I mean, yeah. 
we didn't get to the moon without blowing some shit up on the launch pad. This is a neat idea. Yeah. So, um, this is the kind of thing, uh, I would, uh, this is, yeah. Drop the word onto Twitch. Sorry. I didn't pay attention. Um, so, uh, I've seen, oh, I've seen James in a letter and editor shirt in real life. I've got reach in the main streets of London. Good job there, James. Um, so, uh, are there any other RPGs, uh, that you would like to put on the short list that we haven't talked about yet? Um, um I've got a couple. I've got yeah. Trophy, which I've yet to oh, see, yeah. but I hear amazing things about. Uh, someone was mentioning the, the uh, Grant Howitt games. I think, yeah, absolutely. Spire is on a, is on a long list. Heart probably should be, but I think Spire is the core game and we should probably be looked at first. Um, what else is that rift we should probably look at rift. <laughs> I, I remember I'm okay can i can i slip into nostalgia mode for a minute is that where back in the day back in the 20th century long ago in the 20th century there were print magazines based on gaming and I was a reviewer for one and I got a bunch of rifts books that I reviewed and even back then People talk trash about rifts, but I'm like, mm-hmm. man, there's some cool stuff in here. The cover looks good. How much do you, what do you want for your $14? Rifts is yeah. the adol- is the kitchen sink of adolescent power fantasies. It's great. Yeah. And, and it is, it is, um, I'm actually running a rifts campaign, but they, there is a new version of it in the savage world system, which is an actual playable savage worlds is a perfectly fine system. Like the problem with riffs, the original riffs is that it's in the palladium system, which was developed in like 1980 and it has never been updated or at least, you know, in a, it is, it is very much a house rule version. It has of, been updated. Yeah. They added mega damage. Oh, you're right. <laughs> does it, uh, does it count if someone born after that update can legally drink in the U S now? Yeah, because that was. Um, I remember. I remember mega damage from when my hair was black. Uh, let's see here. Has Brenda Wood Bay been done already? Not. not and Brenda Wood Bay. I would like to run Brenda it. Wood- I'm actually. Yeah, I'm thinking about public access, uh, which uses the same system. But yeah, sorry, good James. Yeah. I've just put it on the list. So okay. yes, it absolutely it should have been on the list. It's on the list now. Uh, Brenda Wood Bay or Rifts? Uh, Brenda Wood Rifts was already there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So here's a question: Is Torg still available? Uh, they kickstarted to... a new version a couple of years ago. I, yeah, I'd say a couple. That I, might be like six years ago. But, I remember uh, when I was in high school. You know, when I was was this drippy nosed virgin in high school visiting my brother at college, and someone had a copy of Torg, and I'm like, "What's this?" And they're like, "Oh, it's a game like D and D, but you know." But not like D and D, and I started reading. I'm like, this sounds amazing. So yeah, we could do Torg. Yeah, it looks like it <laughs> was kickstarted. Uh, yeah, it looks like it was successfully kickstarted. So, okay. um, let's see your updates. Kind of, it's one of those games that time has forgotten. I mean, we did an episode on card based games, and we entirely forgot that Torg existed. Yeah, we did not mention Torg once in it. And yet, Torg was kind of the first game to have something like a drama deck in it. Um, in fact, I think they called it a drama deck. And we just forgot, because Torg has no footprint anymore. No, nobody was we particularly just forgot. 
Yeah, oh, that is. It's, yeah, that it's is weird. Gonna be... It's very weird, and, and yeah, How yeah, it was full of great horrible. ideas. Eighty bucks, eighty bucks. Oh, very cheap. All right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's yeah, a new version has been out there. It, it is a game that yeah um existed, and um I never played it. I I saw used copies in the used game section, and that was about it. So. Um, let's see here. But I mean, the impression I got was that Torg was a kitchen sink setup that was much more self-aware of itself as a kitchen sink setup. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it was it like riffs makes no, it's just, yeah, there's stuff happening, whatever. And there's cool things and they, there's no attempt at real coherency between them. Torg, I, I, from my understanding, tried to like, well, this part over here would have this kind of effect on the rest of the system or like they, they try to make it more coherent or like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Cohesion. I don't know enough about Torg. Whereas Rifts is like, cohesion is the enemy. It must be destroyed <laughs> by any means necessary. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tor is it, yeah. It's just a game that I I just passed me by and I never get, never really tried, so I didn't really think about it. Um, so a tragic swing and a miss for the game industry. Um, yeah, I, I hate to point out we've been talking forty five minutes. Should we should we talk about other stuff? If we could uh, um, questions from oh yeah yeah we'll have, yeah we, we got have we'll we got questions to. from Lafan. Uh, yeah, yeah, James, uh, you, you actually got to see, uh, what was that on stage recently? Yeah, uh, Strangers, Strangers, Strangers Things, the musical. The first shadow. It's not a musical, but it okay. is a full stage prequel, official, done with the Duffer Brothers, directed by Stephen Dorfrey, who was the guy behind Billy Elliot. He is, he has serious, serious chops. Um, saw it last night. Uh, it's the oh, first week it's been open. It's really interesting. It, the stagecraft is jaw-dropping. It's probably the most spectacular thing I've ever seen on stage. Um, it's full of lore, obviously. The actors do a really do really their best work with a script that is frankly mediocre. Um, <laughs> the story lurches from thing to thing, um, but I mean, certain bits of it really stand out. The kid playing the, um, Henry Creel is astonishing. The actress who's playing Joyce, the Winona Ryder role. If we, as gentlemen of a certain age, didn't know that Winona went to high school with Christian Slater and then got haunted by Michael Keaton, I would swear that this this was the younger um, Winona Ryder. She's it's uncanny. She's just got Winona Ryder as kind of a, an eighteen year old amazing piece of work. Um, if you like, if you're into Stranger Things, I would recommend it. If you can get a ticket, it appears to have sold out absolutely solidly. Um, do not go in. Yes, that's a thing that's going to happen. It's a spectacular. White living in ass is seeing the Stranger Things musical in London. <laughs> <laughs> you'll you'll get over here eventually. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I from your mouth to God's ear, James. We'll, we'll go together, Greg. We'll we'll be buddies. <laughs> It'll be a road trip. Uh, <laughs> Flash plane trip, what? yeah. What? It'll what be a like tragic, a road trip movie, yeah. Like a, a tragic but Bob quintessentially Hope. Greg and Ross way to die, drowning on an attempted road trip to visit James. I'm thinking of what, <laughs> what are those Bob Hope movies called? Were they were they called road trip? The road movies. movies. Yeah, the road movies. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Everybody in the Deadpool who's like, man. I had so much money on Greg spilling red wine on an electric blanket. 
Um, so I have been working on a tabletop thing. Uh, so a uh, couple the months ago, the Night Clerk, which is a system agnostic scenario of architectural horror about a hotel uh, that uh, you go and check into and you don't check out. It turns into an infinite labyrinth. And um, so I sent out cover on that uh, Matt Lehman's, uh, who does good work. Uh, yeah, let's, see. Nice. let's see here. I think it's uh yeah. Uh, I'll check. I'll, I'll I'll double check to make sure I got. His, I know his first name is mm, yeah. Uh, here is his review. Um, but I sent out a uh draft to backers. Uh, this is the artist for the cover. Um, and uh, yeah, that didn't I? Uh, I I there are a couple hundred, Greg. I don't I don't remember. Uh, it, you should have gotten an update from Backer Kid if you did back it that uh the PDF a uh, uh, draft PDF has been sent out. Um, well, I, and- I if I backed it, I backed it at the tangible level. So I'm not even going to spoil myself by looking at the PDF. I'm going to yeah. wait I'm, until I'm I have it. I'm just looking at those columns. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's, uh, there's, uh, oh, oh no, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll send you some notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll send you oh, guys the no! PDF. They look, they're mathematically balanced. They're, they're just, no, it's, it's, just yeah, Jeff. It's, okay. fine. it's also, if you're, if you're deliberately not balancing the columns, that's fine. That's a stylistic choice. Yeah. It's the people who just don't know better. Yeah. Um, who, <laughs> um, you, know, you think, who think that, yeah, yeah, they, that's balanced. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. You're good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, cause I hired Simeon Cogswell to create the template for uh, it, and then I just used, uh, their work for it. So I still need a couple of pieces of art and he takes photos of a few things. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, this should be out early next year. This is originally going to be a full tabletop RPG called ruin. Uh, but then I couldn't figure out a interesting mechanical system for it. Um, so I just made it into a scenario or sort of, and you didn't even ask your boy, Greg or James. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, you, who, who do you do this podcast with? Ross, really? <laughs> well, I started working on this like back in 2014 and I, I, uh, I had okay. a lot of like the system. I wanted oh, a lot of, tight. it was very ambitious. Like I wanted to like, one of the ideas was like, you make your character as play begins, like in a video game where you just start play mm-hmm. and fill in your skill and attributes as you play. And then I wanted, mm-hmm. um, that could a, be super fun. Like an interesting crafting system that wasn't just get ingredients and make a skill check. And mm-hmm. um, there, there was a, it was a very, I had a lot of ambitions and then I just like, couldn't every, everything I tried didn't work out. Um, so I just like, fuck it. I have a lot of art. I have ideas for the story at least. So let's just do that. And then I can move on with my life. <laughs> so give uh, me back my life, yeah. night clerk. Give me back my I life. I did do a find and I did do a I did search the entire thing for the word will and removed every instance of it. So there's um so once you now have an NPC called I am. Yeah. Um <laughs> so that's what I've been working on. Um and that yeah, so that that'll uh, uh it's been sent backers a good month to look for typos and get back to me and then I'll send her printers and sometime in January and uh, yeah. Uh, Greg, uh, what have you? Well, uh, okay. I mean, I've got, I've been grinding out fiction for the Patreon, a lot of sort of near fic, new, near future uh, science, social science fiction where it's like, yeah, there's nothing technically in these stories that we haven't achieved, but you know, they ask questions like if you read after the cops, I've been doing stuff sort of in that setting. 
uh, you know, the, the most recent one is, oh, what's the future of incarceration going to look like if we really radically redo the way we think about prisons? So penitentiary pool boy uh, was last month's Patreon support. Um, other fiction projects. I'm uh, I'm going zine and doing if you look closely. <laughs> yeah hand-drawn zine covers or hand-printed or hand-painted depending on... There, you can put that back up on there and can make the screen look Okay. So, yeah, this fantasy novella I wrote ages ago and have been trying and trying and trying to get out. It's really... It's sweet and heartwarming, damn it! Um, (laughs) So that'll probably be my next thing, sweet and heartwarming. Uh, The games I'm working on... One is Dying Breath, which is written a lot. That's Ninky, baby. That's it. This is the zine. I've printed them out. You will be able to get it as a PDF or as something that I handmade the cover. Woo! Your uh, heart will be warmed. Or <laughs> <laughs> Feel it! So, gaming-wise, uh, mm-hmm. I've got Dying Breath, which is my you know, 1920s horror game because, you know, we need another one after Call of Cthulhu, right? But this is, it's, it's, my goal with Dying Breath was to give you the experience you had playing Call of Cthulhu when you didn't know anything about the mythos. Mm -hmm. You know, where part of it is finding out how things really work without reading about them in the game but discovering through play that oh the cosmos is like that so that's one that is written along with a giant uh giant campaign a five you know spanning five years from 1920 to 1925 um Another that I've completely written and got set up is called Gates of Ivory, Gates of Horn, which is a tarot-based game about you are either a dream or a nightmare, and you are going to enter the minds of people in the 20th century, and if you are a nightmare, your goal, your, your identity is... I'm going to enter the mind of someone who has gotten away with a crime, who has done something wrong and not been punished in the waking world, but I will torment them in the one place they cannot escape justice. And if you're playing as a dream, your goal is I am going to fix someone who is mentally damaged and broken. I can go in there into the realm of their mind and save them from self-destruction. So it's, it, it's heavily, heavily, heavily inspired by Sandman comics. Uh, okay. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah. but it's its own thing. And, you know, set up as basically let's dungeon crawl for human souls. Let us either save or destroy as we see fit. Have you uh, played the video game Psychonauts or Psychonauts 2? I haven't, but I've heard of it. So Psychonauts is a um, 
platforming game, but like with Metroidvania elements, like you or well, it's um, but basically you're you're a psychic. Uh, uh, you go to psychic summer camp uh, as a kid, and you learn how to enter into people's minds, and so each mind is like a dungeon. I'm sorry, I got a yeah, I got to think about psychic summer camp for a minute. It's yeah, no, you're not just making this land weird. You are being this lanyard. No, it's, that's exactly the vibe. Um, and mm-hmm. every 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 level, when you you beat the boss or, and solve this, per- you 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 solve you help them. You're basically like a psychic therapist, but by punching the psychic monsters in their head. Um, <laughs> and they're Stop both very good games. Making this person feel unjustly guilty. That's literally okay. it. That's literally yeah, it. okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this this sounds a little like that. Only you know more florid. Yeah, uh, yeah, very much Tim Burton's <laughs> kids uh, adventure movie kind yeah. of vibe. Yeah. Uh, so you played it too, James? I I played the first one. I it didn't grab me as much as it grabbed a lot of my peers, but I could mm. when it worked, it worked really well. Yeah, I I loved <laughs> I, I loved the uh, uh, first. Um, that is such. That is such a double-edged piece of praise. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But I have to. By the end, I was just I was going through it with a walkthrough, going, I need to finish this so I can go and play something else. All right, that's uh, fair. wasn't wasn't going to abandon it. Did need to, yeah, yeah. Well, I need fair. to see the ending, but just need to see it now. Um, um yeah. Uh, oh yeah, just uh, unprovoked nothing. I think um, I recently saw Godzilla minus one, and that's my movie of the year. Like, and I think it's the best mm-hmm. Godzilla movie ever made. Like, yeah, I think it's I better. I've even heard of this. I'm so oh out of touch. God. What is uh, what is Godzilla minus? Put it. It's really put it up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Shared screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have uh, you seen Shin Godzilla though? Uh, oh, yes, Shin Godzilla. Oh, it's so better. Good. Yeah, yeah. This is better than Shin. You Godzilla. think this is better Ooh. than Shin Godzilla? That's uh, mm-hmm. no. I mean, they're Shin Godzilla is a masterpiece too, but like this one is even better. So, oh my God, I yep. Stop. All right. So Godzilla minus um, who loved that logo. Yeah, it's that incri- design is so good. Yeah. Um so you like is- you like those balanced columns, James? Are those <laughs> columns balanced enough for you, James? Yeah, I'm not gonna play the trailer, but uh I'll just show you some of the artwork um or some of the mm-hmm. screenshots from it. Um Godzilla is is very uh he he is um He's not a nice Godzilla in this one. He he is very uh he really hates Tokyo and um it's it's uh it's a movie oh, where you care about so high. Yeah, uh the humans uh, you care about the like you know that's a typical kaiju, you know, Godzilla movie thing is that the ca- human characters are kind of like who cares about them? Let's watch their giant monsters fighting. But this one um uh, you know, it's about uh the failure of you know, it's it's a, a takes place in the immediate aftermath of world war two and like it takes place in 1947 1945 1947 and the main character is like um dealing with like the ethos of uh, imperial japan's failures and uh it deals a lot with trauma and survivor's guilt and um is this godzilla does grave of the fireflies because if it's godzilla does grave of the fireflies you have to tell me ron uh it's 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 pretty it was pretty intense for me emotionally like it was um the the main character is in such anguish over um you know being uh i'll just say this you this is establishing the opening movements of the movie he's a kamikaze pilot who chickens out and he goes to land uh at a remote uh, island base uh pretending his plane is damaged or can't fly and uh 
So, uh, and people are just like, you, what we lost because you failed, you know, like that, that, that is like the level of like, um, oh, just emotional suffering this guy goes through and then Godzilla shows and that's before Godzilla shows up. So, um, yeah, the worst but, Godzilla is yeah. the Godzilla in my heart. Yeah. But also the Godzilla right there is killing a lot of people and he's really but, angry. However, the Godzilla right in fucking front of me. Oh, yeah. Sorry YouTube. Yeah. The Godzilla oh, yeah. right in front of me is also very bad. Yeah. Um so Godzilla, no, yeah, just a metaphor for, for nuclear war. Um yeah, so, I yeah. Find, but also still a metaphor. Mm-hmm. Still a metaphor. Um, I'm the thing I'm really looking forward to, which hasn't opened here yet, but I have tickets booked to box day is the boy and the heron. Uh, Miyazaki. Oh yeah, probably Miyazaki's last movie. Um, uh. It's new Miyazaki. I'm good enough. The reviews are ecstatic. Um, it is apparently very much about grief. I have booked tickets for the whole family. My father-in-law died about two months ago, and I either we're just going to come out fine having loved the movie or just in an inconsolable blubbering heap of of yeah man this is the end yeah um yeah this feels like betting double or nothing on catharsis Mm -hmm. Mm. yeah i'm prepared to take that bet it's me as i yeah yeah i do want to see that i have heard um it is a pretty intense movie as well um and beautiful too. What I heard was the most abstract of the uh, Miyazaki films. So I'm very I'm, intriguing. I'm avoiding reviews deliberately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fair. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance to see Godzilla minus one or Boy in the Heron, you see that. Um, any any cinematic uh, standouts for you this year, uh, Greg? Or anything you're looking forward to? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not. I'm, I'm still freaked out over COVID, and so I only go to movies when I know it's going to be completely abandoned. But the the movie I saw this year that kind of blew me away was Barbie. Oh, I need to watch that. I've heard good. It's the, this is not a spoiler. I mean, if you take it as a spoiler, interrogate yourself. But it starts with, you know, Barbie being stereotypical Barbie in Barbie land and everything's great and everything's fun. And she's looking forward to this party tonight with her friends and everything's just relentlessly upbeat and it turns into this giant elaborate dance number and right at the end of the dance number as they've all finished she's like do you ever think about death (laughs) and that's that's where it starts yeah it 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 elevates its source material a great deal so i i liked it a lot um so, did yeah, anyone? This it, is going to sound a little random. Did it, anyone ever see Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse, which was on Netflix for a long time? It's an animated, it's like half hour or twenty minute kids series, but it's essentially kind of Real Housewives of LA with Barbie and her friends who are all aware they're dolls, and it's it's for kids. But uh, there are moments where the humor just goes, "Okay, you really put some thought into this. This is genuinely very funny." Uh, uh, this sounds uh, like something exists, that like, I would hammer a nail through my own hand rather than choose to watch. I but have daughters. I don't know, James. Oh, yeah, it's, that's it's, fair. It's, 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 it's actually good. Um, there, it's, it's good in parts. Um, yeah. If it's, there there if are a lot of those. Yeah. One of those Sunday Greg backs James into the corner. James <laughs> puts his hands up and says, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's not like that. 
Uh, I'm not saying go immediately go and watch it, but you yeah. know, if if you are Barbie curious, um, <laughs> I can I think it may well have had an influence on the movie. I suspect you know watching seeing what and my God, there's a lot of Barbie shit out there. Some of the Barbie CG movies are unbelievably bad. Uh, you know, they the lots of questions from uh, Greta Gerwig, who wrote and uh, directed the movie, about how how did Mattel let this thing get made? Well, looking at some of the shit they've, some of the schlock they've had put out for Barbie before this, I'm you know anything that's back of quality is good, but this one is is genuinely, I I find myself laughing out loud in places. Mm-hmm. The characters are surprisingly endearing. Um, okay, yeah. Well, if, all right. if you're Barbie Let's- curious. And you can you can drag this back to gaming. Um, the impression, my suspicion, my suspicion with the Barbie IP, I have no inside knowledge or particular insight, but this is my suspicion, is that there is a pretty minimum buy-in where if you have been tasked with writing something for the Barbie IP, there is going to be just this baseline floor of people who will watch anything Barbie. There is a demographic where it's like, if it's got the B word on it, click. Yeah. You know, I will put my, I will park my kid in front of this while I go make dinner. And that is sort of your free, this is the free parking space in the game of creating in the Barbie IP so that if you are a lazy creator, you could just phone it in completely, do something so mediocre that it looks like the best thing a chat GPT could do. And, you know, you could get by and uh, enough people would watch it that it would make its nut. But that there are people who are like, no, I know in my heart, Barbie can be more, Barbie can be meaningful, Barbie can convey something about the human experience. And that's what the big Gina, Gina Gershon, is. have I got the name right? I believe so. Oh, yeah. Greta, Greta, yeah, I think Greta Gersha. Yeah, I knew I, I knew I was going to do something wrong. Sorry, it's late. Here. But she's yeah. like, this is a train that has enough cultural horsepower that it can pull more freight than it has ever been asked to. And she's like, I'm going to cut this thing. I'm going to open up the throttle on this thing and see just how far it can go. And this is not unlike something something that happens in gaming if you are working for one of the big IPs. There was, you know, I'm, I'm, when I was working on the World of Darkness, I'm like, I could phone this in. And, you know, if I, if I hit a tough spot, I can turn in some mediocre work in the middle of this book and... No one will complain, but because I liked the IP and because I felt like I had stuff to say within it, and because, you know, I just kind of got the bit between my teeth and caught up in my own momentum. And I'm like, these characters I created are really interesting in their own way. And I'm going to blah, 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 blah. And I just ran off with it. 
I feel like a lot of people who worked on the world of darkness did more than they had to because of a love of the IP. Uh, and so uh, this is, is something, uh, it's a weird parallel because what is all pink and cheerful and one is all dark and morbid, mm -hmm. but the same ideas at play is that there is this uneasy alliance between the commerce and the artistic impulse where the commerce is like, well, you know, anything that says Barbie will do this minimum level of okay. And then the artist comes in and says, oh, I will take that minimum level of okay. But instead of making it more profitable, I'm going to make it more meaningful. Yeah. I feel uh, the same way about my Sonic the Hedgehog books. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, James, you'll know this. Uh, I, I never got yeah. into Sonic. Well, How this was become so sexualized because it seems oh, like it's man, really I've asked, I've asked the people who do Sonic podcasts and they, you know, they just look blankly with that blank, slightly traumatized there. Look, that that's just anything, any, oh. any cartoon animal. Like that's that, that was. Uh, Disney Sonic animators are doing that back so. in the 30s, like on their own time. Like that. That's I mean, how we've all we've all seen Robin Hood, Ross. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, asking the big questions here. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, um, yeah, they're yeah, coming. Um, <laughs> here I, they I, come. I was, yeah, sorry, but you know, one of the things I've been doing is trying to come up with reply to a fan because you know these are books I wrote. 30 years ago, almost exactly 30 years ago, I am still getting not just letters about them, I am specifically getting letters about the physics in Sonic in the Fourth ah! Dimension, um, asking me to explain exactly how the trans-dimensional physics work. And I'm not sure if it's one guy under a bunch of pseudonyms or if there's a community of these freaks who... I just m grabbed a bunch of buzzwords and chucked them down on a page. You know, I was being paid not very much. We had to write four well, books. They have important months. arguments to settle, all right? They, they, they do. They, they need an authority figure. But these macro or micro dimensions, mm -hmm. they want oh, to know. God, James, how does this I relate to Rudy Rucker's interpretation of infinity? Um, yeah, this is this is my life. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. You write some Sonic the Hedgehog novels trying to do a good job, and 30 <laughs> years later... People want to, to uh, <laughs> you just need to detail. <laughs> they're all here tonight. Yeah. <laughs> they're all perched around their screens. Yes. Oh. Now um, I'll discover that Christian Bickley is one of them. Oh, um, no. What you need to do, James, <laughs> no, is just no. you just need to steer into that skid and say, Oh, I don't remember writing any of that material. It was as if I stepped aside and something entered my body. Mm -hmm. Like a new animating force and wrote through me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so there you go. Then you'll be one step closer to founding your own religion. I, 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 I have thought, I'm, as I'm sure many RPG designers have, I have thought many times about founding my own religion. Because uh, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the thing. Any religion we came up with would be more interesting and involved and coherent but the whole point is they shouldn't be interesting and coherent they should appeal to idiots not interesting people not the sort of people who read good science fiction you want stuff that will appeal to credulous goons with money 
Well, I'm just very briefly, someone asked yeah. if I had read, if I used to read comic, uh, Sonic the comic. Uh, yes, I did. I never wrote for it. I knew some of the people who did. I have appeared a couple of times on Sonic the comic, the podcast as well. Oh. Um, yeah, Sonic Glory. That that's an entire different. That's an entire podcast oh, series. God, that's yeah. multiple seasons. Uh, that is that is that is. <laughs> Do not weird. make me look at it directly. <laughs> I, 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 mean, I just think the sides of it and i've seen such things um like it just <laughs> it goes on and on and on there's so many See, continuities there's the lawsuits between archie comics um <laughs> and one of the writers to, so the writer got copyright on some of his characters like he made his own it, it's a whole there's just layers uh we'll be here all night if we go into this. yeah uh, that's yeah, yeah. um that's, and and the thing about founding your own religion james i'm like See, to me, I see that as a balance between how hard could it be and how wrong would it be? Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm just... Oof. I just... I mean, the main thing for me is this is not actually something I want to spend any part of my life actually having to do. In particular, having to deal with the kind of people who would believe a religion I came up with. Um, don't, want, don't want to mix with those people. No, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, keep, I'll keep writing the RPGs. It's it's like not wanting to belong to a club that would admit you as a member, but much more morally uh, upright. Yeah, a club that would admit me as a guru. <laughs> <laughs> would I want followers who would accept me as a leader? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we're already 13 minutes over uh, of what we were going to have as an hour-long thing. So I don't know how late it is for you, James, uh, if you want to keep going or not. Uh, but it is. We are over time. Um, so We, um, we yeah. should wrap up. Are there any yeah. great questions in the uh, Well, yeah, I did uh, put in the comments uh, a link to join our Discord. We talk about this, uh, and we'll have yeah. news and updates, and you can yeah. ask us questions there. Uh, so uh, I could point out somebody oh. on the Discord is is backing me up on Barbie Life in the Dreamhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually heard that. I heard someone else comment that the Dreamhouse is good. So yeah. yeah, I I can I have heard the good things from it. So yeah, all this time I've only been looking at the private chat. I'm like, man, comments is where the actions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah I yeah. have escaped. <laughs> I'm now in a. Let's see here. Where am I? I'm in, oh, God, no, no, I'm in a shopping mall now. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so, um, yeah, the the, our, the letter narrative discord is open to anybody. Um, yeah, any any other questions? Well, season three, I think, will be kickstarting in February or March, definitely by March at the latest. Um, we just have to finalize our plans and everything. Um, and... Um, yeah, uh, you can. Oh, you can back the night clerk zine on backer kit. Uh, let me let me pull that up. I probably should have done that earlier. Uh, I should see where I am on that. Do, 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 do. <laughs> yeah. While Ross yeah. is doing that, you yeah. can also you can buy our merch. There are links from the website. You can visit our website ludonarrativedissidents dot com. Yeah. Um, and I'll pull that up. quick. Quick reminder that if you click on any of the RPGs in any of the episode descriptions, it'll take you to drive through. If you then buy it, we get a fraction of the purchase price. That does not increase the price you pay, and it does not reduce the amount of money that goes to the publishers. Um, but it does help to support the podcast, uh, and we are enormously grateful when you do it. 
Should mm-hmm. I tell them how much money we've made from from referrers so far from affiliate fees? <laughs> sure. We, how much money we have we made, James? Six dollars and eighty-eight cents. Yeah, <laughs> we can get two dollars each. Yeah, I could. I'll get a third of a coffee at Starbucks. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's um, we would be grateful if you do that. We do. We live in hope, but not optimism. Yeah. Uh, there we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, check out Letter Narrative Dissidents. Uh, put a link into that. Uh, dot com. James has done great work on that website. It's very cool. We'll have to be using it more. Um, we're eventually planning, I think, also to mirror our season one and two onto YouTube. Um, and uh, yeah, we got a yeah, couple well, other things to, in, in mind, but we're can, not. Can I tell them about the plan with that? Is, uh, is oh like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, please yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. The, the, Ross has explained to me that there is a way you can just randomly throw, you can, can set up sort of a library of pictures and a program will randomly throw them on top of your audio to make a YouTube video of it. And so my suggestion was that each of the three of us present, uh, poses of ourselves in various typical emotional states so Mm -hmm. i had one where it's just me in in full no future conditional mode and then you know one of me where i'm like there we are and then you know when where i'm like so that that's what i want to see um these cartoonishly exaggerated postures from ross and james who apparently are not as comfortable unleashed no james did his i i haven't done mine yet i'm lazy i don't don't know if james's were big enough though they were fine they were fine greg (laughs) okay Uh, and the 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 app i was using is called headliner uh headliner.app is the website and basically what you do is you create a video a little mp4 and then it loops the video as it does the audio. So it's not going to be random. It's going to be the same order every time, but like it'd be like a two or three minute slideshow that loops. uh, Well, as long as there's no connection between what's being said and what our facial expressions. Oh no, no, obviously not. It's like a three minute video that loops over every single episode. Kind of like my background video is looping. So uh, (laughs) (laughs) what is this? Various stages of undress. No, we're trying to get more viewers, not drive viewers away. <laughs> yeah. No, that's yeah, Greg's so, OnlyFans. Uh coming soon. So, you know, yeah, it's stretch goals. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Stretch goals. Yeah. James, um, we already, already have to do Rambo D six. Uh we've a, already at least had one conversation about not writing checks my body cannot cash. <laughs> Uh, I'll have you know, when I was younger, I got second place in uh, the fancy dress parade at UK Comic Art Convention as Prince Namor the Submariner. Ooh. Green Speedos, elf ears, wings on the heels. Do any photos of that survive, James? I've got one somewhere. Okay. Just a thin Look, if you want to find it, I'll throw it in. I'll throw it in the thing. I got a girlfriend off the back of it. Hey, not bad. Not bad. Um... Uh, an actual question, oh my god, uh, or an actual comment, um, idly suggesting setting material to potentially potentially investigate side settings to an established main game like D&D and Birthright, uh, Eberron, right? Um, that would be interesting. Um, I would have to find, like, what other games do that, though. Um, 
maybe i mean palladium kind of but like uh i mean riffs has like phase world which is an altering universe and space uh things that don't play take place on earth i guess would count um but i don't know if there's enough games that do that oh uh, someone's yeah. saying savage worlds oh uh, well, Sa- well savage oh, worlds is like gerbs it's a it's a, it's a yeah, setting was, this game what was it's ken's not, uh yeah. the day after ragnarok oh yeah, yeah yeah that's a good setting but like savage worlds is like gerbs it's a generic system it's not there's no setting for savage worlds um you except make, there are a bunch of settings well yeah but there but like D has its own sort of generic setting right forgotten realms but they have side settings, alternate settings for D&D, I think is what uh, Scribble is yeah. talking about. Uh, sigil. Yeah, Sigil, yeah. Ravenloft, etc. Uh, Gerbs is interesting. Setting books. I mean, like, there's generic system with many settings, but D&D is kind of unique in that there's a, a main setting, but there's also alternate settings, like Dark Sun and Ravenloft and that kind of thing. So, mm. um, like, if you did Shadowrun, but, like, on a different planet or with an entirely different thing, so... Well, yeah, um, I yeah. can't. I can't go and say, "Oh, we should just do all the wild talent settings that I did back then." But wild talent is also a generic system. It's just super. It is. It is absolutely a generic yeah. system. It just you know got filtered through uh, godlike and ecollapse and uh, grimoire, and yeah, we just did a bunch of stuff. Uh, any place on the internet where you can hire GMs? There, there are. Um, I don't remember. There's a one website. I can't remember what it's called. Where there's, it's kind of like Fiverr, but for like GM. But there's also the RPPR Patreon for only ten dollars a month. I run one to two games uh, for patrons every month. Um, so yeah, um, there. But there are professional GMs that do charge for games. Yeah, and you yeah. know, just I don't the remember fact that that is a thing astonishes yeah. me now. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, uh, I mean, it, it makes perfect economic sense. It takes time to prep a game. It, you know, it takes years of practice to be a good gm mm-hmm. if you can if somebody has that skill that's a marketable skill mm-hmm. um i'm just not I, I know used to things GM making is, economic sense james yeah well you know it's it's a living i'm not saying necessarily though i do hear there are gms who charge really you know very high amounts of money multiple hundreds of, of dollars an hour mm-hmm. um and if you can find the patrons for it and people you know and if you are that good yeah uh that does look right start playing games i think that's the one uh let me double check all right um but i have a friend who's a professional or semi-professional uh dm and he also he writes stuff for dm's guild as well and you know if if you want to make rpgs your lifestyle and you know your employment it's one of the sources towards earning a, an income a steady regular income while you're making you know landing your profile as a creator as well as a, a games master. I didn't, yeah, know, I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah, you need to play test your stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I probably. I mean, people charge at conventions like Gen Con and Origins. So, mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just kind of makes sense. Uh, oh, wait, I didn't put the thing on. There we go. Uh, there's the website. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, obviously, it's sort of, you know, well, Savage Worlds, Pathfinder. Uh, Grimm's Tale, Cypher System. Oh, that D and D Chronicles Dark. Oh, actually, a pretty good mix at least so far. When I looked at this months ago, um, this was heavily. I mean, it looks like it's still kind of dominated by D and D, but that's kind of 
I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked, Ross. Uh, um, yeah. But yeah, no. It's, yeah. It's, it's like if you're going to do tech support for computers, do you do an operating system that was last updated in 1998, mm -hmm. or do you do Windows? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, is right. there an R no Armies Discord? Uh, I have no idea. Greg? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. I'm, I'm not sure an official one, but there's not one I'm involved with. Um, okay. There's a Greg Stolze Discord through my Patreon, but it's pretty minimum and, it, you know, it's pretty small and chill. Um, so, yeah, you're. You would do. You would not do badly on the uh, the LND Discord. So, mm -hmm. oh yeah, there it is. The mm -hmm. Patreon. I just right. updated it today. Yep. All right. Cool. Uh, with that, uh, yeah, check out our Patreons uh, and other projects. LetterNarrativeDistance.com. Join the Discord. Um, I there there was a link in the comments. And also on all, all yeah. our backer updates, uh, and also on the show notes of all the episodes recently, at least. Um, and, uh, we will, uh, probably do this again. This was pretty fun, actually. Yeah, uh, mm, this was cool. So, Thanks for uh, out, everybody. yeah. And I'll, yeah, put, thanks uh, so much. This, uh, chat, the, the comments have been really vigorous and really yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah. Next time I'll like read those as they happen. <laughs> well, it's a learning <laughs> experience. All right. Uh, thank you all so much. Uh, thank you for listening. We, we're really glad you like and enjoyed Let on Air Distance. We're excited to start season three, which will start, uh, next year. And uh, we'll record season or episode zero sometime in the next monthish month month and a half. We'll talk about. It. We'll figure it out. Anyways, uh, <laughs> good night, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you later. Good night, all. Bye. Ta ta. Bye.